0: And that's that eye. That's already been done, you can't was born. it was once for all, the father gave his son, forever we are changed, by the miracle of grace, throughout history, the father's life made. Oh! Walking around these walls Thought about now She It is your faithful man, your faithful man stealing your hand, this is my confidence. Your together still standing Your faithfulness, your faithfulness I'm still in your hands This is my comfort You never fail
1: Good morning, MVCC. We are so happy to have you here with us this morning and really cannot wait to jump in. But if you're new with us this morning, we wanna get connected with you. So go ahead and text CONNECT to the number on your screen so that we can get some more information and bring you into our family. Throughout this pandemic, we've had one amazing prayer night, but I'm so excited to announce that we are starting back up with our regular prayer gatherings. It's gonna be October 6th. That is our first one starting out. Please mark your calendars and meet us out in the patio for an amazing night of prayer. Here at MVCC, we are passionate about serving. We really want you to get involved and get in on what God is doing in our community and in his kingdom. So for you to get involved, go ahead and text serve to the number on your screen. Along with serving, giving is another amazing way to get involved in what God is doing in your community and in his kingdom. If you feel called to give today, go to our website or our mobile app. We try to make it as easy as possible. This Sunday morning, we are super excited to join Pastor Mike as he finishes out the final sermon in the series "Waymaker." Let's head on over and join him.
2: Awesome to be with you again. We're in a series called Waymaker, and we're going to be in the Bible. If you're with us, you can turn in the Bible or you can check it out on your app. At Luke chapter 9, we're going to get into verses 10 through 17. But before we get there, I just wanted to take a second and just pray because I believe prayer really sets us up to hear and respond to the word. So, Father, we just thank you that you're a loving God. We believe that you are the waymaker. You can make a way, God, where it seems impossible. I pray for anyone listening or watching this this week that. God, you would just break through our hearts. Show us how powerful you are, especially your loving kindness. And God, I pray that there's just massive uh, decisions made uh, as your word goes out. We trust you. We love you, God, in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I want to let you know here at Missionville Christian Church uh, that we have uh, baptisms every month for those who have given their life to Jesus Christ and they want to get baptized. We do that. And so actually this coming Sunday, uh, the 27th of September is our baptism Sunday. So, um, if you would like to do that, just want to encourage you to reach out on our website, and we'd love to help you with that. Hey, our, our anchor text for this entire series is Isaiah chapter 43, verse 19. And that verse says this See, God says, I am doing a new thing. I am making a way in the wilderness and in streams, even within the wasteland. I like that verse because it's a promise even to Israel back in the Old Testament, but it's also a promise now that God will always make a way for us. Now, it may not always be the way we want, but we know God has a way and we trust him for his way. Um, I just want to open up and share. We're going to look at one of the most, uh, I think, dynamic miracles out of the 37 miracles that Jesus performed while he was on earth. This one right here that we're going to take a look at uh, today in a few moments it's the only one of the miracles that are in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so it's, it's pretty powerful here. And so um, before we read the text, I just want to relate to you something that happened to me about 10 years ago that will ever forever be embedded in my mind and in my heart. Uh, my wife and I had the privilege of living in Hawaii, and uh, we, uh, I was a youth pastor there serving with junior high and high school and college-age students. One of the things that we just desired to do is uh, for a lot of the students that had grown up in the church— we really felt like it was god's call on us to to kind of move them out of their comfort zone and what i mean by that is we really wanted these kids to meet jesus in a powerful way and so usually god is met in the most uncomfortable places of life with people that we feel maybe uncomfortable with or people that are different from us so we decided well from where 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 we were in hawaii to take a two-week missions trip to the islands of samoa this particular trip was in western samoa And if you've ever been to the Samoan Islands, um, it's just uh, there's not much running water. There's not a lot of electricity. uh, Very simple life. I mean, just amazing people. The Polynesian people are amazing. And I'll get to that in a second. But we decided we were going to do a five-day vacation Bible school for kids in these small villages. Now, these villages maybe had about 30 to 40 families there. So it wasn't, you know, a whole lot. And they lived in these kind of like uh, makeshift huts, villages, kind of like a sacks. Well, we had uh, shipped everything from Hawaii in these big boxes on the plane because they're in western Samoa. There is no like, you know, Costco or Ralph's grocery store. So we had to ship most of our food there for the kids for VBS. So we unloaded, unpacked all of our stuff on the first day. There was maybe, I don't know, 75 kids that just came because the word got out really quickly. The second day we were there, oh my gosh, it doubled, the amount of kids doubled. There was at least 150 kids and they were just pouring into this place. Well, we had a certain time of the day in the program that we fed the kids food. So um, this particular end of the week, there was maybe now 250, 300 kids. Well, we certainly did not pack enough food for this. It was one of the, I think it was the third day and our team of high school students, you know, were making the food, preparing the food. Kids are like in lines. And you know when kids have, you know, played all day and they're hungry and they're tired and you can just see their little faces. I mean, they are hungry. I mean, they will, they will eat anything. They're just so hungry. And so, um, man, when we were just unpacking this food and putting it in these little dishes and big pots of food that our kids were taking these big spatulas and just grabbing it as fast as they could, we quickly saw that we were running out of food. I mean, we were running out of food in the midst of kids that were really, really hungry. This was scary. So um, I don't know. I I don't know how this happened. I don't know the details of it other than I know what my eyes saw, but I don't know the the intricacies of how God did this. They kept dipping into these pots for these foods, the food that the kids had, these little plates and, and bowls and we were running down to the very bottom, and there's like three lines of kids with like 50 kids in each line. The food just kept coming out of these pots, and I I saw a miracle. I saw food where there was, at the very bottom of that pot, there was no food in there, and food just kept coming out. I happened to look over to my left, and I saw about three of our star high school students, they were seniors, and I saw them in a circle. Their heads were bowed, and they were praying. It, it was one of those God moments that I will never forget. The next thing I saw, I turned back over to the rest of our team, eight or nine students, tears streaming down their face because they couldn't believe what they were seeing, that God was multiplying this food. It was one of those things that are embedded I know I saw God do something. I know this was from God. And, and, and seeing those kids' faces and seeing them with compassion and with the love of God, I will never forget that. And I know our students will never forget that. But here's, here's what I walked away with. God is truly a way maker, man. God can make a way when it seems like there is no way out of this one. And that's where God does his best work. And the cool thing is, is he uses people like you and me. That's what I want to talk about here out of this text we're going to read. I have a couple of questions before we get into John chapter 9. One is this. Do you really believe, those of you that believe in God, and by the way, if you don't believe in God, are you just checking out this Jesus thing, or I'm not really sure about Christianity, I'm not sure about all this. I am so glad that you're listening or watching to this. I pray that God just in a small way opens up your heart. But here's the question for those who do believe in God. Do you really believe that God can make a way when your situation seems impossible? Have you ever told God why, when you're facing something so big, why this won't work? I certainly have found myself in those situations. I'm not proud of it, but oftentimes my eyes have been looking down Rather than looking up into what God can do, that He is the way maker. It's there that I want to turn to this amazing text in uh, the Gospel of Luke. We're going to be in chapter 9. Sorry, it's Luke chapter 9, beginning in verse 10. Now, before I read the text, I just want to say this to give some background work. Uh, Jesus had uh, performed many miracles previous to what we're going to see happen here. He healed the sick, He opened blinded eyes. He was uh, uh, healing those that were demon-possessed. I mean, just stuff was happening wherever Jesus went. And word got around very quickly that Jesus was somebody different. He was the God-man from heaven. I mean, word was getting out, and people were by the crowds pressing and, and just wanting to be with Jesus to have them heal them, to have them, uh, him give them an encouraging word. I mean, they were looking for someone to help them. And that was Jesus. So in this text, he sends out the 12, previous to this, he sends out the 12 disciples, the the followers, the friends of Jesus. And he says, I want you guys to go out. You've seen me do the work. You've seen how I heal. I want you to go out and do the work. They came back and they were just so stoked. They were so overjoyed. They were so on fire telling Jesus all these stories. Jesus, you're not going to believe this, but we exercise these demons out of this little kid This person was blind and we touched their eyes and asked uh, in the Father's name that this would happen and and, and they're just going on and on and on. Jesus takes them on this small little retreat and as he takes them up in the hills to listen to the stories and praise God for what was going on, crowds are now forming, not by the hundreds, but by the thousands. Here's where we pick it up in Luke chapter 9. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then they took them with him, and he withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about and followed him. He welcomed them, and he spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. Late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him and said, Send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because... We are in a remote place out here in the middle of nowhere. Now, (laughs) Bethsaida was on the north side of Galilee. It was north of where they were previous to this. And as Jesus was moving about, crowds are now swarming. Can you see them coming down the slopes, these huge grassy slopes? And it says in one of the Gospels that Jesus had compassion on the people. His heart was breaking With his love for them, as he saw them helpless and hungry without a shepherd. Can you see these people's faces? The lack of hope, the despair. I mean, people literally looking for answers. People wanting to be healed. They were looking for for Jesus to heal them of their pain and heartache that they were experiencing. And it says, late afternoon. Well, what we do know about this is that the people... this This is crazy amazing. The people were there all day long. Nine in the morning, 10 a.m., 11 a.m., noon, one, two, three, four. A lot of commentators believe we are well into five, six p.m. at night. The people, it says in the King James Version, they were hanging on his word. They were there to hear the words of Jesus. His words were life changing they would have rather fainted from hunger than to leave him. Man, I love this because it just reminds us that God is worthy to be followed. Jesus is my hero, man. Jesus is is truly one to be followed because he never sinned. He never messed up. He never let anyone down. And we find out here in verse 12 that the 12 followers were concerned about the people, but you know what? I read in between the lines here. I, I think they were more concerned about themselves. They were getting hungry. They were trying to figure out where we're going to stay for the night. And we better tell these crowds to go away. So I can just imagine these 12. I want you to imagine with me for a moment. Let's just go into this scene. I love these, 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 these accounts in the Bible where we literally, in our mind, you know, we can go into this scene. I, wanna, I want you to peer over the 12 disciples who are now in a semicircle stepped away from Jesus because they decided they're going to have a board meeting and discuss what's going on. Jesus isn't doing anything, man. What are we going to do? Uh Philip decides, "Well, guys, I'll go talk to Jesus. You stay here." Uh Jesus, uh we've been here all day and these uh people, I'm sure you can see Jesus, there's like 5,000 families. And that means, you know, there's probably about 20,000 people here. Your sermon was really good. I got to tell you, one of your best, Jesus, sermons. I mean, all day long. It was amazing. But uh, the guys and I have been meeting, and uh, we think you should send the people away. We think that you should just cast them aside because they got places to go, things to do. They can get their own lodging, get their own food. Jesus, we got things to do, and we're really hungry. So let's just tell them to go away. You know what's sad about this is the 12 were so busy at counting all these people that seemed like they were a problem, they missed the one that they could have counted on to do a miracle. I love Jesus' response here because it says, you know, some of that old King James Version, if you have a King James Bible, you know, some of these these words that they used were just really, really cool. And it says in the King James Version, Jesus' response to Philip of the disciples was, Bring them hither unto me. Bring them to me. See, you may feel like, I certainly have felt in my life at times that, that I, I have missed the mark That I got all these problems. Jesus has got so much to do. He certainly doesn't have time for me. And what he says is, I don't care what you've been involved in. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you've thought you may have had the most violent, just, just, just horrible thoughts. I want you to know you can come to me. You can come to me and I will receive you. So I love this because in verse 13, as we move on to this text, Jesus replied, you guys give him something to eat. I can imagine Philip uh, saying, "Uh, excuse me, Um, what did you say? You want us to feed them? Philip goes back to the 12. You can see him running back to the 12. They're in their semicircle board meeting. And he says, "Uh, guys, uh, he didn't take my suggestion very well. In fact, what he told me is you guys, us, we're supposed to feed the people. Now I can imagine them digging down into their shroud, into their pockets, and pulling out these shekels, you know? Andrew looks, and what he's got, he's got a few shekels, and he says, how much you got, uh, Andrew? And Andrew tells, asks Philip, how much do you have? And Bartholomew happens to chime in, and he says, well, I got three shekels. James says, man, I bet it'll feed like a hundred people. Thomas says, I doubt it. And then Judas reluctantly parts with his money. I mean, this whole thing is a board meeting that went south. Because they tried to figure out, how are we going to fix this problem on their own? Man, I get in trouble when I start trying to figure out things on my own. In fact, there's a dangerous verse in the Bible that says, everyone did what was in their right mind. When we start thinking in the natural, and we look at ways to fix spiritual, even physical problems on our own, we get all messed up. And that's where they were. These guys are now so far missing the mark. And one of the other gospels says that a little boy came up and had five loaves and two fish. This is where it gets exciting. (laughs) Five loaves uh, and two fish, that's all they had. Jesus looks at the five loaves and the two fish. I just want you to see this scene. The disciples have now migrated over to where Jesus is and they are standing around him. And he says, okay, guys, here's what we're going to do. I want you to get everybody in groups of 50 now, when we're reading this text, we think, oh, no big deal. fifty. Think now, twenty thousand people. That's half of Angel Stadium. Half of Dodger Stadium is filled with people. and now your job, along with eleven other of your friends, is to get everybody in groups of fifty. No way. <laughs> this this is this is this is too big. That's five thousand families, twenty thousand people. Have you ever tried to work with people? I mean, human nature is, People don't want to follow instructions without questions. I mean, trying to get 50 people in groups would have been an amazing task. Watch this in verse 16. I love this. Let's just keep going on here. They answered, We only have five loaves of bread and two fish unless we go and buy food for the crowd. About 5,000 men were there. But he said to the disciples, Have them sit down in groups of about 50. The disciples did so, and everyone sat down, taking the five loaves and the two fish Looking up to heaven, he gave thanks, he broke them. I just want to stop here for a second. They were looking down. They were looking at the five loaves and the two fish. They were looking down in their pockets, and they were coming up empty. Jesus looked up into heaven. Look, am I looking down at situations the way everybody else sees them? Or do I have the courage to look up and have faith God, you are the way maker. You can do this. You can solve this problem. He blessed it. I think he looked up to heaven. I think he was praying with his eyes wide open. Thank you, Father, for this food. Thank you, Father, for the miracle that you're going to perform through me. Thank you for the thousands of people that are going to see that, that I'm the one that you sent to save them from their sins. And then it says he broke the bread. Now here's, here's where it gets, it gets wild. What was going through their minds at this moment? Jesus blessed something that wasn't enough. Man, that is, that is truth for us right now. How many times have we come to God with, I don't have enough? We may feel like an offering that we bring financially to our home church, it's not enough. We may feel like we don't have enough rent. We don't have enough mortgage. We don't have enough love to give to somebody. We don't have enough uh, forgiveness to forgive someone. We just don't have enough. And God says, give me what you got. Give me the five loaves and give me the two fish and I will do something great. I will multiply that beyond your wildest dreams. Jesus blesses something that wasn't enough. But the truth of the matter is, until we're thankful with what we have and learn to be content, we will never know and understand the miracle that God can do. I'm convinced of that. I say you know to our church all the time to our people amen one of the things i want to do is beat the oc out of us and what i mean by that is beat the orange county image driven life out of us we're so worried about image we're so worried about what others think rather than god what do you want me to do so we'll never know multiplication until we know to be thankful the thing that i notice out of here is that god god does care about our physical need He does. You may right now be in a hospital bed listening to this message and thinking, God, I need you to heal me. You may be out of rent money. You may be out of a job. You might be just in an emotional state that just in depression or anxiety and fear. And God is saying, I care about your situation. The second thing I see is that the blessing is in the breaking. The blessing here is in the breaking of that bread. By allowing ourselves and our hearts to be broken before God, it's then that He can use us. And that requires humility. That requires humility. Here, here's the coolest thing i never ever... I have read that. I have seen that text. I have heard probably 50 sermons over my lifetime on this. But this is something that God showed me I never saw before. The power of this miracle... Please, don't miss this. The power of this miracle was performed by God, but in the hands of the 12. Jesus, Jesus didn't do it himself. He said, guys, you do it. And what's amazing is they didn't even know what was happening until they trusted God and God did the miracle through their hands. They were feeding all these people. Back to the Samoa trip, and then we'll we'll wind this down. I remember on the last day that we were there, kids everywhere, kids running around. Our, our team was crying. We were leaving. Uh, they were, kids were crying. You know, this, this bond formed for the 10 days that we were there. I'll never forget these two girls. One was being pushed in a wheelchair by her older sister, and the younger one who was in the wheelchair didn't have any arms. And I will never forget the smile on her face. I will never forget that moment as she was being pushed up and as she said, thank you for coming for these days to us. It broke my heart. See, I believe Jesus is met in the most powerful moments when our hearts are allowed to be broken and that requires me to get out of my comfort zone and be where God wants me to be. I think it's time for us as a church to believe that God is the way maker. He is. He wants us to believe that and live that. I want to encourage you to let God break your heart. Let your heart be humble. Let him work in there. I think the last thing is, when God tells you to do something, do it, man. If God tells you to do it, you do it. Get these 50 people over here. Get these 50 people over here. Give me the five loaves and two fish. Whatever he asks you to do, do it. And I believe we will see miracles, the power of God, the presence of God, like we've never seen before. And God truly is the way maker. Hey, if this this message has been helpful, I just want to encourage you to share this message with somebody. We're always here on campus, 10 a.m. Sunday mornings. Hope we see you here sometime. And uh, God bless you. I hope this has been helpful. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you again next week. And uh, we're starting a new series through the book of Philippians called Dangerous. God bless, we'll see you next time.